back and relax. You're listening to episode 188 of the Wolf Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Parham Narseri from Investorcom. Now, Investorcom is a red tech firm, a reg tech firm, and providing a wide range of compliance software for both financial advisors and asset managers. Uh, I was interested in three of their products. Uh, one is called Compliance Express, which manages record-keeping transactions and document delivery from a secure cloud-based platform. And what I liked about it is you can deliver any kind of document electronically, such as Form CRS, Form ADV, RDI, RIA disclosures, welcome kits, presentations, or other compliance marketing documents, again, through a secure cloud-based platform. They have a product called Shelf Monitor, which advisors can use to monitor their book of business and get alerted when any investment products held by their clients have significant changes. And these can include funds that are changing categories, uh, funds with increases in risk or expense ratios. A third product, which I thought was interesting, was Peer Compare. Now, this uh, product uh, demonstrates for advisors that they're acting in the best interest of their clients. Uh, it can generate a peer group report of reasonably, reasonably available alternatives uh, to what you're currently invested in that compare cost, risk, and return. So this delivers a compliant investment recommendation to your investors while tracking all the activity and relevant notes. And we talk a little bit more about that in the podcast. But before we get started, if you are an executive of a wealth tech firm that's selling software to RIAs, broker-dealers, asset managers, TAMFs, or others, then you should run, not walk, to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and fill out the Get in Touch form on our homepage. Our industry experts can deliver a wide range of advice, including competitive analysis, new product evaluations, market insights and strategic advice, client buying decisions, integration development services, and more. Every vendor needs these things to be successful, especially when entering new markets. And you can get on the right track by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. Now, a few quick housekeeping notes before we continue. We support a number of nonprofit organizations that do fantastic work for a variety of causes. And one you should check out is the Invest in Others Foundation, which you can learn more about at investinothers.org. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. All right, now let's kick this thing off. I'm happy to introduce our next guest on the program. It is Param Nasseri, VP of Product and Regulatory Strategy from Investorcom. Parham, welcome. Great to be here, Craig. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you can make it on this beautiful day in New Jersey. Where are you calling it from? Beautiful Toronto, Canada. I love Toronto. I haven't been there in a while. How are things up there? You know, we're, we're not doing too, the Leafs are not doing too well, but uh, we have a firm belief that this is our year. Oh, we're talking hockey? We can talk hockey a bit. Let's not talk hockey. We're down three one at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's not not likely scenario of coming back, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Good, it could happen. All right. So, um, please give us the thirty second elevator pitch for Investorcom. All right, uh, Craig. Thanks for having uh, me as well as uh, Investorcom uh, on your show. Investorcom is a leading provider of regulatory compliance software solutions. Uh, for wealth and asset managers across Canada and the U.S., uh, our you know going back to your point about thirty seconds, our motto is that compliance can be turned into a strategic advantage for wealth and asset managers if they, it's embraced through a digital 
application. So we'll talk a lot more about that today. We like that. We like looking for strategic advantages in areas of the business that are normally not. But for example, you know, compliance is oftentimes a necessary evil when you shouldn't look at it that way. You should look at it as something to give yourself an advantage and, and help your business scale. Yes. Absolutely. And and you know what? This sometimes somewhat feels like a bit of a calling because Craig, I spent uh a little bit over 12 years, maybe 13 years at uh, at, a, at an investment regulatory firm in Canada. And I headed up a team that did data analysis on investigative issues. And the same problems, the same constant issues would present themselves in, in our in our wealth sector, right? Suitability, uh, fee or fees being overcharged. And now you layer on to, onto that, you know, uh, I'll say additional regulatory requirements or burdens that say, look, you have to act in Craig's best interest. What does that mean? How do you prove that, right? So given the fact that regulators and client complaints can be a retrospective e exercise um, that could happen three years from now, um, you know, we believe there is huge value in making that process, that process of being compliant, uh, simple, uh, easy to adopt for financial professionals and firms, and allow compliance or leverage compliance as a strategic lever for the organization. Good compliance is good business. You're here. I believe that's the case. And why not use technology to do that and support it and stop doing it manually? Speaking of manually, talk about rollovers. That's a big area, headache of compliance for advisors. How does InvestorCom help advisors manage rollovers and stay compliant? Yeah. So, Craig, I, I want to say, you know, rollovers or, or advice or recommendations related to rollovers are a huge growth opportunity for financial advisors, right? They uh, most of our uh, the working class, uh, their savings are 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 uh, uh, put together or, or accumulated through employer sponsor plans, right? So, as a financial advisor, whether you're independent or working at a big firm. Um, that presents a huge asset accumulation uh, opportunity. It's projected actually that uh, there's there's a study done on this. It's projected that uh, uh, in the next five years, there's approximately $800 billion of assets that are going to roll out of employer-sponsored plans and into uh, um, advisory uh, or call it RIAs. And That's so eight, to, 800 billion, you said? 800 billion. In the next five years. In the next five years, uh, I think in 2021, uh, the same stat sort of suggests that there was around 700 billion dollars of assets that rolled over. So you just think about it conceptually, right? Um, there is also, there's going to be secular shifts in the generational wealth transfer. A lot of folks retiring and thinking, "Hey, I want to control. I want to have a higher degree of control over my assets that I've accumulated over the years." You combine to that notion this great resignation period that we went through a lot of folks switching jobs right now there's assets that are sitting in former employers accounts um uh, and and look there is some value as a financial advisor if you're going to coach someone if you're going to give someone advice to consolidate those assets so rollovers is a win-win for the investor it could be a win-win for the financial advisor in the firm now there is a gotcha there. 
because typically assets in employer-sponsored plans are lower fee scenarios and circumstances. Why? Because employer-sponsored plans have some scale. Now, there is going to be a fee imbalance the majority of times when you roll out of employer-sponsored plans into a re registered investment account. How do you do that in the most beneficial manner possible that's also compliant? Right. So what we've developed at InvestorCom is a very intuitive process to be able to engage the investor, assess their level of need around different areas of service. Hey, how important is financial planning to you, Craig? How important is periodic rebalancing and having control over your assets, as well as having exposure to assets that your employer sponsor plan doesn't allow you to have? Give me a score. Right. So to be able to kind of do that analysis documented in addition to doing the fee analysis. Right. The fee analysis is particularly important as well, because, like I said, investors are going to pay in the vast majority of times higher fees when assets are rolled over. But it's not to say that that's a bad decision. Somebody may want to pay higher fees. It may be suitable and appropriate for some investors to pay higher fees and get additional services. Our application brings that value proposition to life and it documents it digitally, natively, and it allows firms to provide supervisory services on top of that to say, hey, look, Arm, this recommendation may not have been in Craig's best interest. Let's take a quick look at it. Right. So when we look at that sort of holiday, a, a immense growth opportunity ahead of the industry and the financial professionals that are out there. Um, we say you combine that with the, this notion that there's immense regulatory scrutiny in a magnifying lens, whether it's the Department of Labor, FINRA, or the SEC, everyone's looking at that conflict, right? Well, why did you recommend this, uh, this rollover for Craig Eskowitz when the fees were going to go up? If you can confidently say, well, I made that recommendation three years ago. Guess what? Here's my artifact. Here are the data points. Here's my supervisory process at my firm. I believe you'll be in a great position. And our, our application puts that complex exercise and digitizes it in the most intuitive manner. I want to go back to something you said about engaging investors around different areas of service. How do you do that? Is it a survey? Is that on mobile? How are the, uh, the investors engaged? The investors are engaged through, you know, our digital application where, and what they do is they, they use our, call it service proposition for each specific firm. Let me give you an example to kind of shed light on that, Craig. One of our clients focuses on the term that I, I, I had to come to learn called BRI, Biblical Responsible Investing. I'd, I'd heard of SRI, Socially Responsible Investing, never heard of Biblical Responsible Investing, my bad. Um, this financial professional turned around and said, look, a big value proposition for my firm is biblical responsible investing. And guess what? You can now make that a value proposition using our applications and say, look, in that advisor investor engagement model around assessing whether a rollover is appropriate, suitable in the investor's best interest, the advisor can ask, hey, Craig, how important is biblical responsible investing to you? Give me a score out of 10. Right. What that does, and I want to kind of do the delta here a bit, is it it moves away from the traditional check the box exercise, which manual forms do today. Well, Craig said he wanted uh, <laughs> these additional services or these additional fees. 
Well, it actually allows you to go beyond that check the box and actually numerate your desired level of the investor's level of need, right? So think about what that does on multiple levels. Our application also plays these data points back to the investor as part of making that recommendation. And think about it from a compliance as well as this retrospective exercise that needs to happen. You can now have the, 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 the investor's input dynamically inputted into the application, whether it's a mobile or a browser that's been opened up. Capture those data points that go beyond the check the box to truly get the client's desires with respect to whatever degree of service that firm or that financial professional wants to bring to the table. So you have both a web-based and a mobile app for investors to answer these questions. Correct. That gives them some flexibility. And that sounds uh, like a very different value prop for you. Most compliance firms don't offer that. They're just running reports and monitoring, but you're actually reaching out to the clients really building more of a client engagement tool for advisors or, or data gathering tool than feeding that into your compliance process? You know, it has, it, it sort of goes back to what I said earlier, right? Um, to be able to provide value for financial advisors, financial professionals, compliance needs to do something more than what it's traditionally done, which is, hey, you can't do X, you can't do Y. What if compliance was to be a pillar for growth? And that's our model, right? What if what if the way to the advisor's desktop, which is already very congested, already very, very, you know, the term red ocean for the MBA folks out there comes to mind. Um, may, maybe there is an opportunity to embrace that advisor's desktop from the compliant manner and say, look, the firm's compliance officers have blessed this application. They actually want you to use it because it provides them the transparency and the level of data they need that goes beyond their delta or their reality, which is the age-old scribbles on a sticky note left somewhere in the office. Notes made in a CRM disparate from whether it's Parm or Craig's CRM instance. So I think our thesis is let's bring legitimacy to the compliance profession and digitize these data points to foster that growth, to foster, to support the financial professional in growing their business. You'd sent me some statistics, which I thought were super interesting from some studies you did. Can you talk about um, advisors who are using your peer compare tool and uh, your reg BI case study? Yeah. 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 Th thanks for bringing that up, Craig. Look, um, this sounds like a little bit of an infomercial. It's not. It's 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 predominantly uh, a bit of an aha moment for us. Um, we obviously have a bit of a belief system, as you can kind of probably tell through my passion and 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 level of interest in this particular area. That hey, look, there is a there are principles underlying the regulatory requirements, right? The principle that the study sort of targets is the, the within the care obligation, whether it's a financial advisor, sorry, investment advisor or a, a broker dealer, there is a requirement to consider reasonable alternatives at the time of the recommendation, compare costs and reasonably available alternatives. It's a mouthful. How do you do that, right? How do you do that in a repeatable way, whether it's advisor number one, advisor number 5,000 at a firm in a repeatable way? 
again, this is where we've tackled that problem from a, how do we foster uh, support? How do we foster growth for the financial professional? And so what we've done with this new application is we've made it really easy for the advisor to put in a ticker, have their available alternatives, improve their decisions. What does that mean? This, it, it, the case study is uh, sort of uh, uh, the result or the proof in the pudding. We looked at one of our clients who first adopted our technology, I want to say day zero of regulation best interest implementation deadline, which was June 2020. And accordingly, we have two years of recommendation data. When we looked at the study across that time period, uh, time series, what we observed was in that particular firm, so now it's one firm, Right? This ain't an academic exercise, but what it what we leaned off the data was this, Greg, fascinating output. You would see that comparative application that we have through doing that exercise, forget about our application, but doing that comparative exercise on, hey, should I recommend Franklin Templeton or, or Fidelity's product if I want asset allocation exposure for my investors? That comparative exercise improved outcomes improve the quality of recommendations. And so what did it say in a nutshell? The relative cost of products recommended over that two-year period decreased by over 30%. That is material. The reason I say that is 30% <laughs> ends up meaning more money in your investors' pockets. And what does that do? It improves the dynamic between the advisor and their investor. Well, Parm, let me let me interject. How did that happen? How did the average cost of recommendations decrease by thirty five percent? So, look, I might have an idea. So, let me go back to the traditional heuristics in our industry. Most financial professionals almost know, hey, I want to recommend X product, mm -hmm. right? What the regulatory requirements have done is said, look. We get that you might have your investor's best interest at heart, but we believe you need to do this comparative exercise at the time of the recommendation. Is Tylenol better or is Advil better for Craig? Well, you got to compare the two, mm -hmm. right? So by creating a framework, a repeatable framework that does that very quickly, what we've seen is the quality of recommendations across products in, mutual, in the mutual fund and the ETF category have actually, the cost of those recommendations have gradually decreased by using our application. Forget about our application, by like doing this comparative analysis. So I go in, I put in the ticker and says, look, I wanna recommend a Goldman Sachs balanced product. Well, mm -hmm. it gives me 10, 15 other alternatives very quickly and says, look, your first selection was, it's relatively strong. Or it could say, look, your first selection is not necessarily as strong. We've got a proprietary data point, very similar to Morningstar's uh, uh, five-star rating. I'd say it's a little bit more nuanced. It brings competitively stronger products to the forefront. So as advisors have embraced our applications, the quality of those recommendations have improved over time. You say you have a rating system like Morningstar's. What are you rating exactly? So uh, <laughs> this is going to get academic real quickly. Um, so what we do is we allow the firm to design the pillars of competitive analysis or comparative strength across their firm. 
that's a slightly slightly nuanced shift in comparing to the Morningstar's five-star rating. Morningstar decides what is a five-star rating, what classifies as a four-star versus a five-star. If we take the control out of the data provider and give it to the firm, because firm A may have a different line of business, different type of practice. They may want to, may want to compare 12B1 fees. Some may not want to compare 12B1 fees. Some may want to compare funds at a fund uh, level. Some may want to go into the individual share classes. We give our technology gives the firm and the compliance officers an ability to test that and mm -hmm. say, look, design the guardrails around your practice. So a, a typical peer rating across our clients, Craig, uh, will we'll leverage three key pillars, cost, risk, return. You can have 10 data points that go into a peer rating. You can have three data points that go into, in, into that peer rating. But what it does is it says, look, out of the thousands of thousands of products that are out there, give me a peer rating, a singular data point that says, hey, compared to all the asset allocation products that are available at my firm, how does this one selection, the product I looked up stack up relative to them? So what does that do for the advisor? What does that do for the firm? What does that do for the investor? It gives them this connective tissue around the quality of products hmm. that are being recommended. And they can Actually, tweak that. They can tweak those data points. That's the that's that's actually our competitive advantage because look, firms in the driver's seat. You want to tweak and adapt your product based on usage, adapt the peer rating based on mm. how you're seeing your financial professionals react to it. Go ahead. That's the new software SaaS model, right? Give your firms the control to be able to tweak the product. Thanks. Um, more about the how your product is used and more about how your clients are using uh, or are interacting with their compliance processes. How are they making best interest recommendations? Look, the, the best interest recommendation is a, uh, it's a bit of a philosophical exercise. I'll try not to be too theoretical here, Craig, but what we had in our industry was a suitability requirement. Right, mm -hmm. years and years yep. and years, and suitability foundationally said, "Look, Craig's risk tolerance, investment objectives, the list goes on. Unique circumstances, whether you're using an IPS or a KYC form or NCAF, it has to match the underlying investments." Mm -hmm. right? right. The best interest principle went beyond that and said, "Look, the financial professional is the financial profession and the advice profession." there's a higher calling here. You're impacting people's livelihoods and that there needs to be a reasonable basis as part of making those recommendations. And it needs to go beyond that simple matching exercise. Craig's risk tolerance is medium risk. Let me find medium risk products. It goes beyond that and says, is that medium risk product in Craig's best interest? Is that a high risk product in Craig's best interest? And is there a reasonable basis for the financial professional to recommend that product? Now, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> Might sound like one, having worked on the other side of the profession for longer than a decade. But what that entails is there needs to be some proof in the pudding. What mm -hmm. that means is, as part of making that recommendation, how do I know the recommendation, I, the product I've put out there is the best-in-class product for Craig? It may be suitable, but what if I need to go beyond that and assess, is this the most cost-appropriate product 
VA, mutual fund, ETF, whatever that's available to me to recommend to Craig. That's where the best interest principle has said, look, we need your finance, we need you, the trusted financial professional, to show some diligence care skill and care. Cool. Hey, let me jump to different different area. So I'm interested in some of your products. Uh, this is a technology podcast. You've got a product um, called Compliance Express. And one thing we find with a lot of our advisory clients, we work with mostly, uh, we work with some RAs that are a billion up usually, um, as well as broker dealers, TAMPs, asset managers, and, and on their wealth management side, but usually minimum of a billion on the RA side. And they always have a problem getting ready for audits or or pre- not that necessarily they're getting audited, but being ready in case they get audited and knowing that they're ready. How does this tool do that and help firms prepare for a potential audit? Yeah. Yeah, Craig, thank you for asking that. And I think, you know, I'd say it, uh, if somebody was to kind of look at InvestorCom from a 10,000 foot level, I want Compliance Express to stand out because it what it what it's the purpose behind Compliance Express and the pain we've gone through in designing our platform is centered around being able to prove documentation. Mm-hmm. Compliance Express doesn't just, so let me back up, InvestorCom's platform, don't just leave the financial advisor at hey, you've generated a proposal. You've compared reasonably available alternatives. You've recommended a rollover. You've opened an account, advisory versus brokerage. It houses all of those recommendations that are being made to their clients, right? So then when it comes to that exercise where a firm, whether it's an advisory or broker dealer, once every three years or once in every 11 years for the advisory side of the business, goes through an SEC audit, state audit, all of the all of the evidence is natively housed in Compliance Express. Why that's important is, again, go back to my story and how I started this. When I worked on the other side of the fence, when there is no evidence, guess where that person who's in that adjudication role is going is to lean towards? Hey, financial professional, you had to have some form of documentation around these recommendations. You don't have any. Mm-hmm. And guess where that's going to lean, right? It's going to lean way more towards the investor's uh, uh, side of the fence. So we have gone through immense amount of pain um, to make sure we can provide technology that makes it easy to document. It's it's a click. It's a click away. It can integrate into CRMs. It can integrate into, call it whatever other backend uh, archives exist. And it intuitively just has all that information. So whether it's a firm's compliance officer or the advisor themselves who wants to come in and say, look, in 2021, I made a recommendation to Craig to roll his assets over. I want to go and find that document and the corresponding data points. Boom. It's there. Is it a document management solution? It's a document warehouse solution. So look, let me, let me back up on on a couple of things. (laughs) One of our friends in the industry uh, his ears may be ringing now. David Porteous, he's, he's a litigator at Fagri. He He's used this term with me, and I love it. He's called it regulatory archaeology. Hmm. Right? In the absence of a centralized application that houses all these documents, all of these recommendations, these are recommendations that impact people's lives. It's a big deal. It's pe- some people's retirements. Um, if, an, if, if, a, if, a, if a firm or a financial advisor doesn't have access to those documentations, doesn't have access to evidencing all of that fairly quickly, 
What does the firm have to do? They have to retain counsel. And guess what? How much counsel costs? And going back and concocting emails to clients, not concocting, uh, concatenating is the term I was looking for an Excel formula analogy, bringing in different disparate data points. Hey, what do you have in your CRM? What do you have in your email correspondences to the client and be able to concoct a story there? Why do that? When you can natively capture all those evidence pieces all together and be able to say, look, here are the recommendations I made to my clients. Going back three years, seven years, whatever. So one final question, if we can, uh, we're running out of time. I just want to talk about some of your other products. One is Publisher and one is Docs. So Publisher talk, um, says it automates regulatory document publishing requirements. Does that do those documents also go into the Compliance Express? And the Docs is for DOX, Marketing Fulfillment. Do, yeah. do, do those three uh, applications integrate? They they do integrate um, and and the the specific actually let me say let me sort of correct that statement. Publisher is for asset managers. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the fund companies who have hundreds upon hundreds of funds. Okay, that's that's why I was I was questioning that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so asset managers, one of their you know Achilles heels is look how do I generate these ongoing disclosure obligations and these documents whether it's a financial statement semi annual investors shareholder disclosures. Those are complex documents that are repeatable, whether you're looking at fund ABC or XYZ. So what we have done is we've created a module or an application that it's a simple ETL process that generates documents and can actually deliver it directly to the end investors. So give me right. firm uh, BlackRock, give me all of your data points. Mm. We will every quarter generate these documents. That's cool. Make sure your investors, Craig, amongst others, capture get, get, get these data points. Right. And what about Doc? So is Docs looks like it's also for asset managers for their marketing materials. It could be asset managers or or, or investment dealers, uh, broker dealers who want to have a centralized solution for disseminating uh, approved marketing content. Right. So one of the challenges, especially with the marketing rule, is you need to have some controls in your practice around delivering digital assets, digitally delivering marketing material. Now with docs, you can do that. As a firm, you can upload all your documents or integrate any document you want into that application and make sure your advisors are sending approved content, not going off on their own and, and sending our um, marketing content that may not be approved. Nobody wants that. And Parm, we're out of time. This really flew by. Thanks so much for sharing everything about you, uh, InvestorCom and your products and capabilities. Can you tell us where we can find more information about InvestorCom? Absolutely. So uh, we're alive and present on LinkedIn, Twitter, InvestorCom.com is our website. Uh, you can reach out to Parm Nasseri uh, on LinkedIn and, and I, I will happily take a call from anyone. Uh, Craig, thank you. Uh, I've been a fan for a long time and, and uh, I appreciate what you do for our profession. Warren, thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, just so everyone knows, it's investorcom.com, not investor.com, but investorcom.com. Please go check them out. Parm, thanks for being on the program. Thanks, Greg. Oops, don't want to leave. Nope, hold on a second. Hey, it's Greg again. Here are my top three takeaways from this interview. IRA rollovers reached $700 billion last year and are expected to reach $800 billion annually over the next five years. It's a big opportunity for advisors, but a big compliance issue. InvestorCom just this year alone has monitored over a billion dollars of RIA rollovers, 
and 5,500 recommendations. I mentioned uh, in the preview of this podcast, the product called Peer Compare from Investorcom, and they had some statistics they shared. The average cost of recommendations decreased by 35% uh, using net expense ratio for advisors who use Peer Compare, and the historical returns improved by 39%. Seems like some pretty good numbers you should take a look at uh, with their Peer Compare product. And finally, 76% of wealth management firms, according to a survey, are making best interest recommendations manually. That is a huge opportunity for vendors like Investorcom to automate this kind of reporting. And that's a wrap. You made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Before you go, please head over to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you will receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, information. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.